Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. You may remember that we interviewed Pastor Arthur Pulowski from Canada. Let's see, that would have been about two months ago or longer. The story of him being incarcerated was horrific. We ask you to call and register your protest uh, with um, the, the premier of Alberta. And many of you did that. You wrote. Thank you for doing that. And then also we've interviewed Henry Hildebrandt, a pastor from Canada who's also faced persecution. But that we're going to hear something that's very encouraging to me. I didn't even know about this till a day or two ago, that there are members of the Ohio State Legislature who are taking action on this and some other things we'll talk about that I think is going to really bless you. This is the first I was aware of it, first state legislature I'm aware of. And so I'm going to introduce right now to you three different people, Speaker Pro Tem of the Ohio State uh, Assembly, or rather House of Representatives, Tim Ginter, Representative Gary Click, and Representative Reggie Stolzfus. These are three of the sponsors, some of those the original sponsors, of an important bill. I'm going to go right to you, Representative Stolfus. I think you are, am I correct, that you are the prime sponsor of this? Uh, and if so, would you tell us about this important bill that you, you uh, men have brought before the Ohio State Legislature? Well, absolutely, Jim. And thanks for having us on this evening. So, uh, you know, uh, myself and uh, Speaker Pro Tem Ginter are the uh, main sponsors, and uh, Representative Gary Click is, is one of our other co-sponsors as well. And, uh, you know, we've just been seeing uh, time and time again what's been going on in Canada um, with pastors being arrested and churches being shut down um, throughout COVID and the, uh, the long arm of the law, the, the big government hand coming down hard on religious freedom. And uh, we, we've noticed that here in Ohio. And a number of us got together and uh, said, you know what, what could we do as state legislators to sound the alarm that just across the border, just a hundred miles north of us, you know, that uh, religious freedom is being tampered with. So we came up with a resolution um, that basically urges USERF to uh, put Canada on the watch list for religious persecution. That's the short and the sweet of it, Jim. Now that's pretty significant right there. The average person who may not know what that means in terms of put on a watch list, this is no small thing, what you are doing. Now, let me go to Speaker Pro Tem, Tim uh, Ginter. Uh, by the way, tell them what the title, most people might know, but Speaker Pro Tem, explain to them what that title actually means, and then give us more insight on the nature of this particular proposal. Well, thank you, Jim, and again, thank you for the opportunity to be on here as well. Speaker Pro Tem means that I am the speaker in lieu of in the absence of the speaker, I serve as the speaker of the Ohio House of Representatives. Tell us a little bit about your commitment to this bill and how you became aware of it, perhaps, and explain a little bit more about it, if you could, what, what it actually means, what it means to uh, Canada uh, when they hear they're being potentially put on a watch list. Mm -hmm. Well, as Reggie has already talked about, um, you know, we have been watching what with, with great interest, not only in Ohio, but across our nation. And then, of course, as the news of Canada and what was going on in Canada began to hit the United States, I was already watching with great interest what was taking place there. Uh, Pastor Pulowski, of course, seemed to be 
one of those that was in the news more than more than anyone, but that had caught my attention. And then Representative Stoltz came to me and told me that that he was considering. He actually sent me the language of this resolution, and uh, he asked me. Uh, I think his words to me, "Am I crazy?" And uh, I wrote back and I said, "You are not." And I think we need to move forward with this. And uh, as he has already explained to you, the resolution is to the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, which was founded for this very reason. It is a, it is a commission to watch religious freedom around the world. And then once a country is put on that watch list, then that commission is to make recommendations and uh, provide options for the policies of the United States with those particular nations. The, um, we have three representatives on. That's unusual for us to have that many in one call. So I want to go right to the third one right now, Representative Gary Click. Uh, why are you supporting this? What convictionally touched your heart that caused you to say, I want to be one of the co-sponsors? Well, thank you, Jim. And uh, I am certainly great for, grateful for uh, Reggie and for uh, Speaker Pro Tem Ginter, the leadership on this that they took. And uh, Speaker Pro Tem uh, Ginter and I are both pastors. And so in my investment in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the service of the Lord and in our community, we look around and we understand that religious liberty is very important. In fact, that's one of the reasons that motivated me to run for office is to protect things like our, our religious liberty. And uh, where I live, uh, as I was telling you a few moments ago, I live in just a very small town of Vickery, Ohio, maybe 121 folks. But uh, just a couple miles north of me is Lake Erie, and on the other side of Lake Erie is Canada. And we know that what happens in Canada affects us. It affects people all around the world. And uh, they are supposed to be a democracy. They're supposed to believe in uh, civil rights like we do. And we see our religious rights being tampered with right here in the United States very often. And when we see it coming this close to our border, we should be alarmed. I mean, I'm alarmed when it happens to my friends in China in the mission field with my friends in Ethiopia and Africa and so many other places. When I get the missionaries that we support, people I went to Bible college with who are serving and seeing this religious oppression and persecution around the world, but it gets a little more frightening when it's at our neighbors to the north. You three, you three representatives probably don't know that you are, uh, I'm so excited to have you on. You're the fruit of the prayers of the World Prayer Network that prayed very specifically specifically that this would happen i didn't think about it back in state legislature i thought of it only in context of dc and i knew what an uphill battle it would be in either the senate or house of representatives there i don't know why i didn't think of state representatives or state senators i just didn't cross my mind so when i got to port i was so encouraged because many people on this call wrote letters um uh, pastor Pulaski, am i saying the right name for the premier jason kenny am i saying the right name Jason, yes. Jason Kenny, yeah. Jason Kenny, he's the premier of Alberta. And many people phoned, including me. Many people wrote, including me, and demanding they stop this horrific treatment. Uh, I, I, the way I phrase it to people is that uh, Trudeau turned Canada into Cuba in a day when he froze the bank accounts, and he turned it into communist China. They started throwing the pastors in prison and particularly the nature of the reason why and the level of treatment that it, it just shocked me. Uh, Pastor Blonsky, your interview on World Prayer Network uh, brought a lot of responses of shock and dismay that this could be happening in the Western Hemisphere. We just didn't expect a country like Canada to do that. 
Now, I want to go back for just a moment. I'm going to get to our two pastors in Canada in a moment. I want to go back to, of the three representatives we have on, folks, did you catch this? Two of the three are pastors. And I, I want to stand up and just give an applause for that. I have a friend, David Lane, who you probably don't know. I don't know if you know David Lane. Oh, you do know. Okay. And he's trying to challenge a thousand pastors to run for office. Good. And I think, I think he's going to, frankly, in his lifetime, he will more than achieve that. I see the momentum, and it, it's really encouraging. Uh, that's the way it was one time in American culture. Uh, what what pa what church do you pastor, uh, Representative uh, Click? I pastor the Fremont Baptist Temple. And uh, then uh, Speaker Pro Tem Ginter, what church do you pastor? I pastor Church at the Center, which is a non-denominational church we started ten years ago. How did you uh, how did you decide to run for office? Well, that's an amazing story. That would take a whole program in itself. But um, God just sovereignly began to move me towards the realm of politics. I never had I, I I spoke about the government and our freedoms and liberties often, but I never had any desire or inclination to run for government. And then um, God immersed me uh, with um, the friendship with Congresswoman Marilyn Musgrave, who's the original. Uh, author of the Federal Marriage Amendment from Colorado. I met her on the way home from Colorado Springs on a plane. And from that moment forward, it seemed as if God began to put a conviction in my heart that this was what I should do. And to be quite frank with you, I treated it as I did my original call to preach. I, I really didn't want to preach. And I began to fight that call and God began to convict me. And finally, I yielded to that call. And it was the same way with the call to government. But I, I knew that God had arranged for me and was arranging and then supernaturally opened the door, which, like I said, would take a lot of time on this program to, for me to enter into office. Uh, in my hearing, August the 13th of my ninth year, I felt a governmental anointing come upon me. I didn't know what to call it then, of course, but I got hooked on that time. And I've been politically, governmentally active every day from August the 13th, when I was nine years of age, to the present. I think I've probably been involved. I, I don't know how many can't. I, I sometimes jokingly say 100 campaigns with people. I thought I would run for office when I was a fairly young pastor. God clearly spoke one day and said, I wanted to run for office. And God said, you're not going to. You're going to spend your life encouraging those who do. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. I, I, I heard you clearly. And that's what I've been doing ever, ever, ever since. A representative click uh, to you for a moment. Uh, in just a, a very quick snapshot, how did you decide to run for office as as being a pastor? Well, I'll be honest. I feel like it's a calling, just like being called to be the pastor. And uh, one of my friends always says, "See the need and take the lead." Uh, I've been very interested in politics. I, I consider myself somewhat of a, a disciple of your friend uh, David Barton, who we had at the state house just about a week and a half ago uh, with Chad Conley and. I used to listen to the cassette tapes uh, of him speaking and got to hear him speak and just inspired me about the need for our nation. And I've always taught and preached that we should be engaged and involved. And I began working as a volunteer lobbyist for a Christian school association. And I would go to DC a couple times a year, talk about Christian schools, churches and issues. And then uh, ultimately God began to open the doors. Uh, our Congressman's Jim Jordan, I remember visiting him one day and uh, on his desk was a book that said, Lead Like Jesus. And I just began getting engaged locally here and our community respected that. And ultimately they drafted me to run for office, which I did uh, in 2020. So grateful to hear that. I'm gonna go back to um, original sponsor of this. I'm intrigued. 
uh, Reggie Stoltz, by your your willingness to take that stand, because I don't know. I think there are 7,383 state legislators in the United States, in all 50 states. The reason I know that is my book, Well Versed, we gave one to every one of them, and we had teams in all 50 capitals hand deliver them, not only to 535 members of Congress, which was easy in DC, but all 7,383 state legislators. Of the state legislators, is there any other state that you know of that is taking action on this issue? Jim, as of right now, I do not know of any other state. I have shared this with other state legislators across the nation with you know, our idea, um, but nobody has taken this, this mantle up in any of those states that I know of. And by the way, I got your book and, and I did read it. It's a very good read. Oh, okay. why? Well, I really teed that one up nicely. I did, did not know you had it and, and, and read it. Thank you for that. Uh, I really appreciate that. A moment ago, when you, when you were talking about uh, pastors running, getting involved, running for offices, all three of you know Chad Conley. He's a good friend of ours. David brought, uh, Barton. I co-authored a book with David Barton. I tell everybody that book is so good because David Barton is the co-author. And Chad Conley is a, a spark plug. He, he ignites a crowd anywhere. Chad Conley said these words. You probably have heard him say that the governor of Virginia two years ago was openly saying that a baby after it's born can be killed. And he said that as a medical doctor and governor. And then a Baptist pastor that at least one of you know, maybe two of you know, uh, Byron Fox from Virginia. He mm -hmm. activated, but uh, with Chad Conley's help and Dave Barton's help, activated a thousand poll watchers so we could have an honest election and 300 election judges. And the result was they, they found all kinds of ballots, dead people and such that were invalid, got rid of those. And now we have a governor who phones people and calls them, ask if he can pray for them in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the difference. One Baptist pastor, independent Baptist pastor says, I'm going to, I'm going to activate and people trusted him and join him in that. Now, I've got to ask the three representatives a question about the two pastors we're going to in Canada right now. The three representatives in Ohio, have you ever before, here you are sponsoring legislation that's so critical to Canada. Have you ever met the two pastors that are on from Canada you're about to meet right now? No, I have not. I have not, but I'll tell you, I spoke about both of them in my floor speech this past week. So uh, it's an honor to meet these guys. Thanks, right. for, thanks for being here. We've, we've been talking about them, and uh, you've been the subject of discussion in many committee hearings, and um, I, I just tell you that uh, we, we had, and if I could share one more thing, during the debate on the floor, Jim, um, while it was still going on, I had one of our fellow representatives walk up behind my seat, put his hand on my shoulders, and whisper in my ear, my family in Canada thanks you for doing this. Mm -hmm. and around and went back to his seat. Well, we're going to go to our Canadian uh, friends who I so admire and respect the two men I'm about to introduce right now. Let me give you the context of how remarkable these three Ohio elected officials are and what they're doing. Uh, I've been involved in government a long time, as I already indicated. I met with the individual who was the ambassador at large of religious liberty for the entire globe under the Obama administration. That person whose name I'm not gonna give right now because it, there was some transition during those years. That person told me, what made it very clear that they were told by President Obama that the religious liberty they were to protect was LBGTQ. 
That was it. Now that is happening again under Joe Biden. I've been I've gone to six major international religious liberty events, two of them in Budapest, Hungary, some various parts of the world. And I, I'm ready to go to my seventh one and just canceled recently. Not going to, I'm not gonna spend my time on it because it has been compromised and it's been taken down the route of making it all about LBGTQ. But in other words, they want to support that for which Sodom was destroyed by God himself. So when we talk about religious liberty, this isn't a small issue. These, these members of their House of Representatives are having to take a stand for which they get tremendously criticized. And I just respect them for that. Now we're going to go. I'm so honored to get to connect the, the five of you. Uh, Pastor Hildebrandt, we're going to go to you first, and then we'll get to Pastor Pulowski uh, in just a moment. Uh, tell, tell where you pastor in Canada, and then give just a snapshot. I wish we, we have had you on before, and I wish we had the, all the time that we needed right now, but just give a, an overview, a snapshot of what you've been put through by your government there in Canada. Thank you so much for having me on. Are you all able to hear me clearly? We sure can. All right. So I am in Elmer, Ontario, just across the lake. Uh, on a good evening, nice, clear, we can see, look across the lake, and we actually see the uh, uh, United States on the other side. So we're right close. Uh, I am, first of all, so extremely thankful to have these representatives here. I have been following in the last couple of weeks what was happening there. And because our church's headquarters is in Greenville, Ohio, this is extremely, extremely special to me, so special to me and so very encouraging to see these representatives putting their neck out and putting, and you can tell their heart is in it, just means very, very much to us. So we have been, in the last two years, been through a lot here in Elmer, Ontario, just a small town, uh, about 10,000 people. So we are about two hours from Toronto, about two hours from Detroit, and about two hours from Niagara Falls. So right in the center there. And uh, like I said, just a little town, about two hours from Toronto, but we got in a lot of trouble here when they first uh, shut the churches down and said we were needed to, uh, because of COVID, we needed to do this. And to tell you the truth, at the beginning, we had no issue with it whatsoever. I said, if there is a serious illness going around and there's a virus, uh, we will be the first to shut down. And we did. And we said, if they need two weeks to flatten the curve, not a problem. We will cooperate uh, and we will help wherever we possibly can. But then we found out very, very soon that that's not what it was all about. And what we did then is what they call the drive-in service. We had copied that from our friends in the U.S. We had heard that they do drive-in services. We had never done that in Canada. Well, we thought since we really want together and the Bible tells us not to forsake the, the assembling of ourselves, we thought, well, the least we can do is have a drive-in service and we can still wave at each other and we can, through the radio wave, we can still hear one another and I would preach that way. And the police came by and they said, it looks excellent, it's good, good invention. And they were happy. Well, not everybody was happy. People called in and complained. And the police said they got 15 calls as, that afternoon that we had drive-in service. So they said, you cannot do it anymore. And that really touched a nerve. I said, so we see the liquor store, the parking lot is busy. The grocery store, the parking lot is busy. The abortion clinic is open. Uh, and the church parking lot is supposed to be vacant. Something sparked in me. Something ignited in me that I said, by God's grace, 
the church parking lot will not be empty. And I was as, as respectful as I could be. I told them, I said, sirs, we must obey God rather than man. So we will not shut down. I said, we will be as careful as we can. We had our windows closed and whatnot. And the police came there, took our drivers or took our uh, license plate numbers and persecution started and people were starting to park beside the road and said, look, you are not above the law. You cannot do it. And I said, I have always obeyed the law. We are known in town. I am well known in the little town of Elmer. But I said, uh, in, uh, with fear and trembling, by God's grace, our parking lot will not be empty when all other parking lots. And I said, we will have the safest parking lot in town, which we did. We had our windows closed and on and on. Anyway, make a long story short. Uh, then when st things started to open up a little more, they said, well, you can only have 10 people gather in the meeting house and uh, on and on and on. Yet in the grocery store, we saw there was no issue, but the church was not supposed to gather. I said, I'm sorry. Again, we must obey God rather than men. We will not shut down. And we did not. And uh, the sheriff came, the police came. They closed the whole road in front of our church uh, there. And they came with a bunch of people. They, I didn't know what they, I don't know what they expected that we would be violent or what. I, I don't know, but they came and they locked up the church. And I said, we will still have service, whatever it takes. So our attendance went from uh, 300 people to 1,000 within a couple of weeks because people came from all over the province, six-hour drive, five-hour drive. People came from Toronto, from Niagara Falls, from Windsor, came from all over the place. People said, we're behind you, we're behind you. I mean, it was, it was a tremendous, tremendous time. I preached right on the parking lot, right on the little hill that we had there preached there and preached the gospel and we were charged for that the government charged us two hundred and seventy five thousand uh, dollars which we had to pay there was no way around it at first we thought we might not have to but they said if you won't pay we will go after your members we'll go after the widows the single moms and i said no you won't they said yes we will i said no you won't i said before you will hurt those uh, those people i said we will let the whole world know which is exactly what we did and within a short time, $275,000 came together. We paid the government that money. I don't know where that money is. I don't know what they're doing with it. But we have never let up. We are gathering like we always had. By God's grace, we never had a COVID case where somebody died. We have gathered like we have never gathered before. We uh, This brought us together like nothing has ever brought us together. We are standing solid by God's grace. We are not letting up. We are obeying God rather than man. What an encouragement you are. Thank you, thank you for what you've shared and the way you continue to stand. And uh, Pastor Hildebrand is one of our speakers at our future conference, which is in Washington, D.C., actually in Arlington, Virginia, on July the 20th, 21st, 22nd, and in which we're going to be talking about the cancel culture and how to overcome it. Uh, Pastor Cheon, who went all the way to the Supreme Court, will be speaking. Uh, would have had, uh, Pastor Pulowski would have had you. Uh, you were, I set the whole program and filled up the speaker slots. Uh, you, you you were sitting in prison at that, at that time. I don't know how easy you can get in and out of the country right now. We can maybe talk about that. Uh, in addition, we have a speaker coming from, I'll just put vaguely from Asia, I'll put it that way, who oversees a million and a half underground Christians, what they call the decentralized church. He's going to be talking to us how, if we have to, how to take the church underground in our country like they've had to do in so many other countries. Uh, Pastor Hildebrand, I'm going to come back to you in a little bit, but let's go to Pastor Pulowski right now. I've had the privilege, Arthur, of uh, interviewing you at length. Your story uh, would, would, like we referred to already, would take the entire show. 
we can't do that, but give if you can. Uh, can you give a 10 minute summary? Because uh, your story is is one of the most excruciating. I frankly, I've heard when you describe, I mean, I rolled and tossed at night sometimes thinking about what you went through and thinking, how would I fare under those conditions? And, and, uh, Andrew Brunson is a good friend of mine and he was in prison in Turkey for two years. And he talked about how he was shocked that he was not spiritually prepared for what he went through. And then I think of physical preparedness of what you went through, the brutality that you face. Give us a, a, a 10 or 12 or 15 minute quick overview because I, I, I'm really more concerned that the three representatives get to hear from you personally since they have put their names on the line on your behalf, quite frankly. Share with us if you would. Well, first of all, gentlemen, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You got you got no idea. When you were uh, talking, I had tears in my eyes. When, um, as a pastor, the one, the number one thing that I face every single day is hopelessness. When people lose hope, it's over. That's why they turn into drugs, alcohol. That's why they commit suicide. And when I was in prison, and that was my 16th arrest, and not because I'm a, a, a drug smuggler, um, or because I'm a violent uh, person or I'm a lawbreaker. Uh, no, all of my arrests, 16 of them and over 100 court cases and 340 citations so far has been related to feeding the poor and just keeping the church open. So when I heard you speak, uh, when I heard that there are some people in the United States of America in the government that actually care when I was in prison, that's the number one thing that destroys those boys uh, that are being locked. They have no hope. They have no hope of change. No one wants them out and no one wants them to be better people. We were locked in solitary confinement without anyone coming to us, talking to us and making sure that our eyes are not focused on the life uh, style of, um, you know, evil, but, you know, being shifted on something good. So when I hear you, hope sparks in my heart because there's someone that cares. There's someone that is watching what is happening. And as you can tell very quickly, I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviets in a very peculiar country, Poland. So I have seen the after effects, if you will, of what the Nazis did to my beloved country. I grew up in a city with the bunkers in a concentration camp of the SS soldiers that murdered thousands, tens of thousands of, of individuals. And then I've heard the stories from my grandparents and the older generation, but also I have seen firsthand what communism and socialism really is which is hell on earth. I can't describe it to you any other way. Being under the boots of the Soviets, communism and socialism is hell. It's hell on earth. So we escaped that hell. We escaped to Greece. And then Canada opened its borders. And they say, hey, come to Canada, sell your business. We were very successful business people uh, in Greece. Sell everything you have. Come to Canada. In Canada, no one will ever persecute you for your fate. Canada is the freest country on earth. And we had to make a decision. You see, we did not emigrate to Canada for money. Our El Dorado, if you will, was in Greece. We were making extremely uh, big amounts of money in Europe. We didn't need it to go to America for money, but we wanted to go to Canada for freedom. And here I am right now. I have been arrested 16 times, sometimes brutally arrested. My last arrest was by FBI, Canadian RCMP, 
with undercover detectives, police officers, uniformed and uh, you know, plain clothes, an entire movie uh, team of a SWAT team recording the arrest as well. And for what? Excuse me, what have I done to deserve this cruelty and punishment from my government? I feed thousands of people on the streets of Calgary since 1999. That's my 23rd year. I receive zero funding from the government, zero taxpayers' money. Everything I do is voluntary based. I have a team of volunteers, good people that just want to save lives. And that's what I do. When the government came to us in 2005, and declared that feeding people is now prohibited in Canada, I have become um, an activist. I didn't want it to be an activist. I was not looking uh, to be a politician or to be involved in any political aspect of this country. I just wanted to be left alone as a pastor. But when in 2005, police and the bylaw officers came and they said, here is a ticket because you're daring to feed the poor, distribution of printed material, Bibles, gospel tracts, prohibited by law, giving free goods and services. When you pray for someone in a public park in Canada, that that's actually punishable by law. So I faced over 100 court cases. My fight with this totalitarian police state didn't start with the COVID. COVID exposed them globally. Now we know who is who in the zoo, but my fight with communism and socialism in Canada started in 2005. Fast forward. Um, 11 arrests during that time and then the COVID came. 2020 shows up and the government sends me a memo from City Hall and says I have to shut down the soup kitchen uh, because we're in the middle of the greatest pandemic ever and I'm thinking to myself you're dealing with 15,000 different individuals on the streets of Calgary. You're shutting down soup kitchens, you're shutting down shelters. What do you think those people are going to do to get the necessity supply? So I challenge the mayor, I challenge the ministers, I challenge the premier and I said to them, listen, if you're going to let those people on the loose, they're going to whack your mother's heads. They're going to break into garages, into cars, into houses. They're going to get necessities of lives this way or that way. So let me keep feeding them. I have a huge amount of volunteers. I have the ability to do this professionally. My mom used to own a restaurant. I know how to do it. I got all the permits. I have all the uh, professional catering, um, you know, uh, participants. Let me feed the poor. And they said, no, that was the moment I knew this whole thing had nothing to do with saving lives. This was a weapon they weaponized the health system. They weaponized AHS, which is Alberta Health Services, to destroy lives. And of course, right now, two years later, we already we know we have the data, we have the statistics. But at that time, I just had my God feeling, if you will, the Holy Spirit, God in me was telling me this, this whole thing is fake. There is no real pandemic. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a denier that there is a virus. There has been virus before, there is virus today, and there's going to be one, I'm sure, tomorrow. Um, how do I know that? Because I have three children. And every year, children come with some kind of a flu. And I get it from time to time. Usually every two years, we are hammered with my wife because a kid, uh, this one or that one, would bring something heavy. So I'm not denying this. What I'm saying is that it did not adapt. Their lie 
it was so obvious to me why because i'm a polish emigrant i grew up under propaganda i grew up under the lie coming from tv radio and from uh, every time the politicians open their mouths and i knew they're lying to us so i decided uh, not to shut down the church at all i decided to to i call it the head-on collision you know i'm a polish emigrant uh, polish people are crazy we're very peculiar we're like irish um you don't mess with us we will not mess with you um polish people are not aggressive we we are minding our own business we're in the middle of, of europe and we just want to be left alone but be careful because historically speaking when you touch us you are for a long ride because we will fight you until the last pole stands and that's exactly what i decided to do i said to my wife and to our church uh, i told them this is a lie i've told them that this is not real the pandemic uh, the virus is real i believe that but the pandemic is not they're using this to take our rights away and i'm going to stand up and fight so the hammer came heavy i became the first canadian to receive the COVID ticket uh, 12 officers surrounded me uh, shaft uh, pushed assaulted my parishioner uh, hammered me with the ticket uh, the police department with the uh, politicians did a big big show on uh, mainstream media and off we went i was threatened with arrest i was threatened with millions uh, of dollars worth of tickets which uh, later on i did get i received over 40 COVID tickets so far the biggest craziness that i watched was during christmas festival remember when the government in your country and in my country declared that we have to cancel christmas we're canceling christmas um you're not allowed to gather if you gather it's a super spreader event and the whole neighborhood is going to die if we see your brother for coffee or your parents for dinner that said we're going to hammer you left and right and i went on television too and i said you people are psychopaths you wicked evil devils and i'm going to throw the biggest christmas festival this country has ever seen so i invited thousands of people to come to a christmas festival which they did and i had over 100 police officers swat team and i end up with 15 COVID tickets by the way this monday i am facing another trial i'm facing about six seven trials in the next few months and um and monday is a trial a uh, hundred thousand dollars ticket for me daring to feed the homeless people on the streets of calgary in the open because they said so um later on i participated in something that was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in this country uh you know this by uh, the name of track convoy i was part of uh, forming that as well i was feeding the truckers uh, we were sending uh, people with them because it was not just the truckers it was pastors involved doctors nurses teachers everyone every color every creed under one banner under one umbrella liberty freedom so i became their pastor here in alberta I conducted series of church services, Lord's Supper. Um, I was uh, giving speeches. We had 15 to 20,000 people showing up every single week and the government took notice. Uh, so when I gave my encouraging speech and a church service in Coots, Montana, Alberta border, a few days later, I was arrested by RCMP outside of my house. Later on, we learned that they were parked outside of my home, monitoring me coming in and going out for a week. I was charged with terrorism. I was charged with mischief. I was charged with some crazy criminal charges, taken to prison, put on um, 
solitary confinement, metal boxes, concrete cells. Um, I mean, the amount of the amount of crazy things that they have done to me, it's unbelievable. I remember hearing about those things when I was a kid growing up under communism, how they were dealing with the priests and the, and the pastors um, in Russia and in Poland under communism. But I would never imagine that this is actually possible in a so-called free and democratic society and definitely not in Canada. 51 days in isolation in max pot. They put me in a metal max pot, which is for the most violent offenders. And then, believe it or not, they put me just like the Nazis, just like the Soviets, just like North Korea and China is doing, they put me in a psych ward against the uh, knowledge of the doctors and AHS. I remember this doctor comes to me in a psych ward and he says, Mr. Paloski, what are you doing here? And I said, uh, sir, that's a good question. I do not know. They took me from my cell, they put me here and, and here I am. And here is what he said, they've done it illegally. They're not supposed to do this. They cannot put a sane person without the evaluation of the doctors into a psych ward. But anyway, that was the ordeal. One purpose they've done it, which I learned later, it was to force me or to break me, if you will, uh, to plea. The Crown Prosecutor, um, I call him now the Crown Persecutor, uh, he came with this uh, a brilliant idea to force me to break me during my uh, solitary confinement and other things strip naked um uh, strip naked in front of women and men i mean um all kinds of stuff they were doing to me and they came with this idea that if we're going to break Pawlowski, which has become a symbol of freedom in this country and actually in many other countries uh, around the world um then if he if we'll break him he's going to take the plea and in the middle of this craziness the crown prosecutor came and he says if you plead guilty to one little charge just one little charge and you can go home then we will drop every other charge you see here is what they wanted they wanted have their front page story pastor Paloski. There was a symbol of resistance, a symbol of, of solidarity movement, a symbol of saying to the evil, no, not an inch, pleads guilty. You see, we've told you he's a criminal. We've told you he admits he done something wrong. That was the whole purpose why they kept me in cages and in solitary confinement. So I am very grateful to you because I actually learned about you and about the Ohio, what Ohio wants to do when I was still there. I um, had some friends that contacted my wife and they said there are some Americans that are thinking uh, to help you out and not just me because I'm not fighting for the Pavlovsky's family. I'm fighting for the rights of Canadians. I'm standing for the liberty, the religious liberty, because you know, if you study history and I know that the moment religious liberty goes, every other right follows people do not understand how important is this fight also for america i want to just say something to americans some people when i traveled around your amazing beautiful fascinating country that i came to love and by the way i adopted myself i am an american i don't care if americans will adopt me i have adopted myself so now officially i'm always saying i am an american and every time i was singing 
with Americans during conferences and and you know I've met some of your heroes uh, like Trump family and and uh, General Flynn and others and Mike Lindell and hang around with them they're awesome amazing um, inspirational uh, people when we were singing um, I'm, I am proud to be an American I was crying I was crying because the idea of America, the dream of the American dream is so beautiful, it's so amazing, it's worth fighting for. That's what's at stake. We are living behind the Iron Curtain right now in China, da, and we need you, we need America to step in. When I was there on your soil, I prayed and I said, the, and I prayed to God, I said, God, what do you want me to, uh, to tell the Americans? And here is what he said to me, and I will finish with this. I know I, I probably went over the time. That's where you're dealing with the pastors and the politicians, you know. Um, so what I what I uh, received from God, which is so profound, it still shakes me every time I share this. So listen, he said to me this, tell Americans that it's time for the American, for the great American eagle to rise up again and 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 start flapping its wings it's time for the great american uh, eagle to rise up once again and stop flapping his wings you know what that means that means that you've done it before that means that god recognizes that you are strong and powerful and you can do it and also he says to you he says to a great american people it's time to start moving enough of talking yes we talked for so long now it's time for action so when you were sharing this and then of course i learned about that yesterday um i had tears and i had a shivering when you were uh, talking because this is so profound this is exactly what god wants you to do start moving be not just a symbol on you know in god we trust and the symbol um with words but be that symbol of liberty and freedom in action in action so i'm very grateful to what you're doing i mean it means so much uh, i thank you so much from the bottom of my heart pastor blasky you you've got permission to go overtime anytime you want to i uh, i tell i tell pastors when i have the privilege of speaking at pastors conference stop giving dietrich bonhoeffer stories in your sermon illustrations and start being bonhoeffer yeah. and you have certainly done exactly that I have so many things I want to say, but I'm going to put those aside because I want to hear from our three elected officials right now to respond to our two Canadian pastors. I'm going to go first of all to Representative Stoltzfus. When you were thinking about whether or not to put this proposal forth, you probably had a number of questions. I can't imagine what's going through your mind right now, listening to Arthur Pulaski in person talking to us. What, I want to ask the three of you what you want to say or what you want to ask our two heroes in the faith there in Canada that are on this call with us. I turn to you, Representative Stolson. You, you can share what you want or ask any question you want. Well, thank you, Jim. And uh, thank you, Henry and, and, and Pastor Pulowski, um, Pastor Hildebrandt. Um, it's an honor to, to hear you guys uh, speak with us this evening. And uh, um, you sent shivers down my spine um, when both of you were speaking because uh, what you're dealing with is is real and uh, we see it across the border. Um, we don't feel it like you do, but we see it. And, and when we hear it firsthand from you, um, it becomes even more real. So, you know, it, I'm glad we did this in Ohio. And I, I just hope that, uh, you know, the word spreads 
and, and more states stand up and the federal government stands up and, and, and puts uh, Canada on the watch list. And uh, you guys are brave and you're my heroes and, you know, standing up for Christ. That's, that's what it's all about in this life. And uh, the other two guys that, that are with me from Ohio, we, we realize that. And, uh, you know, we work hard and we try our best to do that. But you guys are really living it. So thank you for what you do. I'll go next to, uh, to Speaker Pro Tem Ginter. What do you want to ask or uh, comment on to the, these saints from Canada? Well, again, thank you. And I echo Reggie's words. Um, you know, you, you have complimented us and, and we, are, we are very appreciative of your compliments as to what we have done. And, but I, I would tell you that compared to what you have gone through and the bravery that you have shown, and what you have stood up against, what we have done pales in comparison. It is simply something that we felt was a step forward. And, um, you know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said, uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And, uh, you know, we were asked on the floor by other members why we were doing this. Why, why would you get involved in, in what's going on in Canada? My response to them was, I guess several points, and that was, first of all, as you've already pointed out, Pastor Pulaski, religious freedom is the first of the first. We call that in the United States of America. It's the first of the, the first uh, Bill of Rights, and so it's number one of number one, and when we see a threat to religious liberty, which is a pre-government right, the government doesn't have the right to take it away or, or, or to give it. It is something that predates government, and when we see religious liberty being threatened, and not just threatened, but persecution, then, then that should be a warning to us. And I, I said to my fellow colleagues, I said, you may not consider yourself religious. You may think, well, why, are, what, why do we care about religion? But we have a saying in the United States that there's a canary in the coal mine. And I believe that, that this is the canary in the coal mine sounding off saying, you may not care about religious freedom, but if they take this freedom, they'll come after the freedoms you do care about because this is the first of the first. So. It's an honor to be able to be linked with you. I had the thought go through my mind that, you know, God, you are just an awesome networker. It is amazing yeah. how you put people together. Jim Garlow doesn't remember that I talked to him about 15 years ago on the phone, and uh, we had a phone conversation. Uh, I was with the Church of the Nazarene, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up a little, sometime in the future, Jim, but he was an encouragement to me when I was making a life change at that time in my life. But I believe God is assembling a great team, intercessors, brave pastors like yourself, government officials, and, and now is the time because this isn't going to stop. They're, they're, they're not going to stop unless we stop it. And right. uh, I'm, I'm committed to this. And uh, there are some hills that I don't believe I'm going to die on, but this is one that I am. I've committed that we're going to die on this hill. So God bless you both. God bless you. Wow, Representative Click, what do you want to say? Well, I, I, I'm virtually speechless, and that it takes a lot for me uh, being a pastor. Um, you thanked us for putting our names on the line, and, and I was, to be honest, embarrassed when you said that because it's not hard to sign a co-sponsor request. That didn't cost me anything, and except maybe a couple words and a few stares, but you're the ones who put your names on the line, and uh, you're my heroes. I thank you for taking the stand. And, and when I need somebody praying for me, I want you to be the ones praying for me because I know you've got power with God. And I thank you. Every pastor in America thanks you. Every pastor across the world thanks you 
for taking the stand that you took. And uh, if we can ever get you to come to Ohio and visit with us, we would love to see you and love to have you. We'd love to show you around the state house here in Ohio, and we'd love to kneel in prayer with you. And I just thank you for the stand that you're taking. Keep doing it. Uh, I want you to know that we're partners here with you. And and when I signed my name on that co-sponsor request, I knew it was the right thing to do. It was an easy thing to me for me to do. But I, I'll be honest with you, I did not have a clue the impact that it would make for you. And, and I'm so glad that we're able to be just a small part of what you're doing there. God bless you. Thank you so much. Pastor Hildebrandt, anything you want to share further? Again, I'm just so thankful to be able to be connected like this. And I echo very much what the uh, speaker said, uh, Tim, you said uh, that God is gathering himself an army uh, of people. I truly wholeheartedly believe that. You know why? Because prophecy says that God is coming back for his church, a glorious church. And no matter how the enemy tries, no matter what a, a prime minister or president does, our God is able, like the three Hebrews said, and God is gathering himself an army and no man will be able to stand. No person will be able to stand against what God is doing. And I feel it's a privilege for me to live in this time. When I spent those three weeks in Ottawa, Jim, you and I were talking back then when I was in Ottawa with the truckers. I have never, ever in my life as a pastor experienced what I experienced there especially truckers, how I couldn't go from one block to the other block and a trucker would stop me and say, Pastor, are you available? Can we pray? I tell you, I was deeply, deeply moved. And I said, devil, you can do whatever you want. People, you can say whatever you want. You can blaspheme. You can uh, sling mud, do whatever you want. God is doing a work in this time. God is causing an awakening god is causing a revival which we have prayed for for years and years and god forbid that i would fail the people when they needed me the most well thank you we sure thank you for the role you played in the canadian trucker that that was a that was a critical spark for the entire globe people took notice of that uh, that was uh, that will be written in history quite a bit i i uh, i followed it extremely closely as much as i could not being there and those people who walked the streets with video cameras running and just left them running for yes. an hour or two, whatever. I stayed on and watched and went up and down the streets with them. Mm -hmm. And I observed exactly what everybody else observed, people obeying the law, protesting within the framework of the law. And the crime dropped to zero in that city. The yes. violence was non-existent. And the lies that were told uh, when they brought law enforcement in, I, I, I was just shocked by it. Uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, Trudeau was the poster child, and he, when he suspended your, con your Canadian Constitution, even the World Economic Forum, as I understand it, uh, told him to back off because the public relations was going so badly for them, and he had to reinstate the Constitution in effect, uh, because even the banks were saying, you got to stop this, what's going on, and it sort of disrupted their globalistic, totalitarian, authoritarian plans, so thank you for what you did there. Now, you guys are two of you are probably in law. I, I don't know about Pastor Hildebrand, but I know uh, Pulaski, you, you are in, you're in deep uh, in, in legal issues. Give the websites for both of you where people can contribute to your legal defense fund because this has got to be very, very costly uh, for this. It's costing somebody. So, can uh, uh, Pastor Pulaski, can you give the, your website and then Pastor Hildebrand give yours? 
Yeah, I am facing a number of trials. They want me in prison and they want to finish me off financially. So the next trial is Monday. I think it's three days for me daring to feed the poor during the pandemic, which one ticket and I got 15 given to me for that for that day. Um, it's $100,000. So it's total insanity. They're coming with some unbelievable numbers to scare the rest of the people. The totalitarian regime runs with terror and fear. That's the only thing they have. And that's what they are doing. By giving those unbelievable, crazy numbers, they're sending a message to the rest of the people, back off or else your next Pawlowski, your next Hildebrand, your next uh, Tobias Thiessen or uh, any other name you want to put into the list of the people that faced prison and and arrests and, and, and trials. Um, I'm still facing a prison term for uh, the Kutz speech where I told them three times, no guns, no violence. This is not um, a physical revolution. I mean, not violent revolutions. It's Mahatma Gandhi style. It's Martin Luther King Jr. civil rights movement, solidarity with Lech Wawensa style. And yet Premier, um, Premier, Premier Jason Kenney comes on television and he says Palowski was uh, threatening uh, people with violence. Uh, I mean, that's how horrible those people are. They're, they're professional liars. They're propaganda machinery. And we know what Goebbels said, propaganda, propaganda, what it matters is just propaganda. Make the lie big, keep repeating it, and eventually people will believe uh, in it. So um, www.streetchurch.ca, streetchurch.ca, if people want to chip in, um, I'll be, you know, very grateful. Uh, streetchurch.ca, there's PayPal there. Uh, people can use cards and there is e-transfer, A-R-T at streetchurch.ca, A-R-T at streetchurch.ca. Um, so thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Uh, Glenn Beck asked me this question. I want to just echo what uh, Henry said. Uh, he said to me, was it worth it? I uh, have been arrested 16 times, um, have been subjected to physical uh, police brutality, stripped naked, humiliated, uh, all kinds of different things, solitary confinement. I'm still, I'm still fixing my back because of that 51 days on concrete and hard benches and, and metal boxes. Um, was it worth it? And I, I, I would not hesitate. I just want to say, echo what Henry said, this was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in Canada. Coming together with people from all creeds and colors of skin and, and rich and poor families, kids, uh, all there, it didn't matter. What mattered was we are all Canadians and we're concerned about our beloved Canada. And we gathered together under the banner of liberty. And that was the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And just for saying that, I can go back to prison. I don't know if you are aware of my conditions just to say what I just said. I can go back to solitary confinement, to metal boxes again, but I cannot deny my faith. I cannot deny my Jesus. I cannot deny humanity. I escaped horror of communism to come to this amazing, beautiful country that tyrants like Trudeau and Kenny are destroying it. And I have only one option, just like Henry is to stand up and be the voice crying out in the wilderness, but we cannot do this alone. That's why I will disagree with you. 
signing that document means a lot more than you can possibly imagine. Let me remind you of 1776, your own declaration of independence. There were a number of people, and for them it was just a signature as well. Majority of them lost their lives, as you know. Most of them paid dearly for signing that document. So signing your name on a document is the first step in this crazy fight against tyranny and it sparks hope in the hearts of Canadians because the worst thing that can happen to a guy like me and Henry and others like us, especially being in prison, is the idea that no one cares. No one cares. I am rotting here. They want me in years in a solitary confinement and die there and no one cares. That's the worst thing that can possibly happen to a person in prison but every day i'll talk to my son every day i'll talk to my brother and my wife and they would be telling me ohio is standing for you americans are talking about you uh, radio reporters there is your picture in times square new york city and i started to cry because who am i i'm just a little guy from poland in a little city of Alberta, the most Americans don't even know where it is. And yet I am on Times Square. Why? Because some Americans cared. I'm telling you, I could go on. I could go on for a few more days because I just learned that there are some that care. And then a few days later, I heard about other group of people going to Canadian embassies in New York City and Washington and other places and demanding my release. And I said, I'm not going to die here. Not as long as there are people outside fighting for guys like me, I'm not going to die. So it's it, it means a lot more than you can possibly imagine. Uh, Pastor Pulaski, you would be surprised to know the timing uh, Speaker Gitter, can you say a word about the timing of his release? Are you able to say a word about that? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, so, and Reggie, I think you you remember this. We were on our way the morning that we were to give the first testimony that is given on any type of bill is given by the sponsors. So Pastor Stoltzfus and I were literally on our way to the committee hearing room. I was leaving my office. My staff stopped me. I had my testimony in my hand and they said, Pastor Pulowski has been released. And I literally had to take a pen and scribble out how many days you had been in and put off to the side how many you had served, but that you, we had just received news that you had been released. And so I think the timing is quite strange that the morning that we're getting ready to give testimony, um you were released and god works in just miraculous mysterious ways and uh just an amazing amazing coordinated coordinated by his spirit what mm -hmm. is going on so the world prayer network family let's just restate what i think almost all of you know and i want to make sure everyone is aware of it we move into prayer in a little bit but that is we are seeing a rapid rapid rise of totalitarian authoritarianism in almost every part of the earth even today i was being interviewed another interview myself i did several interviews today and the question came up there was an interviewer from denver a radio station there he said to where would we run where would we go if our country collapses where would we go and i gave him three countries that i could think of but any of those three could actually fall in a short span of time themselves. 
And so we are facing something globally like we have never seen before. My friend, Pastor Mike McClure at San Jose, California, he's being still, he's had a report, uh, what was it, a week ago uh, from his attorney. He's still being fined $2.8 million. They thought they did an noble thing dropping it from 4.3 million to 2.8 million in his particular county, San Jose, California is where he is. We interviewed on the World Prayer Network, uh, what was it, a couple months ago now, member of the parliament in Finland, Pavi Rasinan, who at the time I interviewed her, she had just been acquitted by a three-judge panel. All she did was list Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 27, on a social media post referring to the compromise of the bishop in her denomination. She happens to be a medical doctor. She's married to a pastor who's a principal of a Bible college. She's been in the parliament for 27 years. She's a former minister of interior of Finland, and they charge her with a crime for listing three verses of the Bible. And what the prosecutor do? Turned around after that three-judge acquittal and charged her again, and they're going to pursue the case and on appeal, and they're going to drag it out as many years as they can and either fine her around $350,000, or at one point there was even some discussion of six years in prison for listing three verses of the Bible. That's the world which we, we live in. A friend of mine, I won't name the country he's in, or the guy he was involved in the pro-life cause, and uh, he was fined for just simply uh, for acts of justice. He did not do anything wrong. He was fined $12 million. What he had to do in his particular country was uh, he had to put all the assets in the name of his wife. They had to get a divorce. And, and, and they continue to live together as husband and wife. In God's eyes, they are. I think they did the legally right thing. Some would criticize him for it. I think they did the right thing. And he has that hanging over him, 12 million for the rest of his life. And he has zero assets. He doesn't have anything. And he and his wife, some would call ex-wife, they're happily married to each other and live together, married in sight of God. That is the kind of things that people are being forced to do simply for following Jesus in our culture. So I urge you to go to this website. We got the website for Pastor Pulaski. We did not get Pastor Hildebrand's website. What is that one, sir? That website is www.churchofgod.net. When we talk about the, the freedom of religion, the three freedoms go together. It's religious freedom, political freedom, and economic freedom. Those three freedoms rise and fall together. When one goes, the other two go with it. If one rises and makes a breakthrough, oftentimes it will bring the other two with them. Those three run as a triumvirate, always together. Uh, why, why you pastors, uh, uh, I didn't ask you, um, uh, Representative Stolfus, what your occupation is. I assume you're probably a businessman, maybe. Or I'm not sure what your occupation is. I'm sorry you're surrounded by so many pastors on this occasion. <laughs> I think everybody's a pastor. You're not a pastor. Am I correct on that? That's correct. You are a minister of God in where you serve, wherever it is, Marketplace Ministries, which in God's sight is equally important, and, and you well, well know exactly that. But the why my heart is overflowing. I listen to the pastors on this call is because I beat the drum for pastors to stand my whole life. And the, and the Barna statistics I've given many times on World Prayer Network, I just say them very briefly right now, 324,000 Protestant churches in America, 72% of those are compromised, left-wing, uh, they do it progressive, they don't care about things in the Bible at all, openly so. Uh, 20, I got, I got a text today from my buddy who's attending the United Methodist Conference where the transvestite Methodists are, are doing their thing. I mean, it's just astounding. The Methodist denomination is splitting right now wisely. It's actually not splitting, it's true believers as opposed to the apostate 
it's what's really happening. Uh, but but there's about 28% that consider themselves biblical in, in the United States in terms of your 28%, uh, that's 100,000. Of those, approximately 15,000 churches have a distinct biblical worldview where when they're tested with eight different categories in terms of what a biblical world is, the overview is, it falls down to about 15,000 churches that qualify in that in that particular area. So that's why my heart rejoices with these. And then I hope we're seeing, in light of what's taking place, I hope and pray what we're seeing is pastors getting it and rising up. I do know lay people are. And I say to every lay person listening, if your pastor is not thinking in the categories of the pastors you see on the screen right now, the five you just listened to, then go find a pastor who is and a support him in that or her in that congregation and do whatever you can do to be uplifting in that congregation. Don't continue to support a pastor who will not stand for the whole counsel of God, the Bible which speaks to personal issues, family issues, church life issues, and speaks to issues of civil governance because God came up with government. He came up with the idea of establishing nations. That was his idea. He did not write the book and go, man, I forgot about the whole government thing. Wish I had thought about that, including the book. No, it's all in there. As we get ready to close off, I've got to ask one more question. I know we got to make this one fast. To our representatives from Ohio, one of you is sponsoring what's called, I think it's called SAFE. Yes, sir. Uh, what, uh, okay, Representative Click, what is SAFE? Tell us about that. So and the SAFE Act is, uh, the word SAFE stands for Saving Adolescents from Experimentation. And so what that does is it protects children. They, it, today, today we see what's going on is they are medicalizing children for gender dysphoria. That means, and they are providing counseling for young kids without the consent of their parents. And then when they get the consent of their parents, they will put them on puberty blockers. They will put them on cross-sex hormones. Some young kids are even having surgeries. We had a young girl testify, 17 years old, who had had a double mastectomy. And so we are saying no to that in Ohio. And we've had some wonderful testimony. God's spirit has been on us. Uh, and so we're, we're working hard on that. We just had opposition hearing and we could see God all over that. Um, Representative Stoltzfus is also a co-sponsor, a joint, one of the lead sponsors, I should say, on the Save Women Sports Act as well with uh, Representative Jenna Powell. And that protects uh, our young women athletes. And he and uh, Representative Powell have done a fantastic job. And of course, Representative Ginter is a mentor to all of us and a huge supporter in those issues. So thank you for bringing that up. And we certainly appreciate your prayers. Quite a few years ago, I flew all night, did an all-nighter, just so I could get to the Ohio State uh, Capitol to speak on behalf of the heartbeat bill uh, mm -hmm. Janet Porter Folger was yes. camping at that time, and uh, we got there early in the morning, uh, and, and I got to the Capitol on time. You have a very unique place or enclosure where we spoke that day, and um, it was quite a me. Some of you may, I don't know if you were in the legislature at that time. Oh, I see you're nodding your head. Some of you, some of you were there at that time, and that, that was quite an unusual meeting. I Based upon the capitulation of the speaker right in front of me, I changed my whole talk in that instant. <laughs> and um, let's, put, let's put it this way. I pulled an Arthur Pulaski, okay? <laughs> but that makes sense. And a, Hildy, a Henry Hildebrand. Well, I'm going to have us cap off in, in prayer right now. Um, I'm going to ask our, 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 our three representatives before we go to prayer. We've got a bunch of intercessors lined up, and they're going to they're gonna pray here in a moment. But would it be okay if I uh, ask the three of you representatives to lead in prayer uh, first on this? 
Okay. Um, let's begin with you, Representative uh, Click, and then Representative Solfus, if you would. And then let's go to Speaker Tim Getter. And we'll cap off with that. As we pray for our Canadians. We pray for the two brothers that are on here with us. And I, I can't remember the total number. I think it's uh, uh, the pastors from Canada will have to help me out. I think it's at least six Canadian pastors have been put in prison at various times, six or seven, I believe it is. Do you, are my numbers accurate on that, to your knowledge? Yeah, I had so the I had the list here, list here as well. So most of them were out west with Pastor Archer, then uh, Pastor James Coates, Pastor Tim Stevens, Pastor Tobias Thiessen. What they did is Western Canada was more putting uh, them in prison. Eastern Canada, they fined us big fines. Thank you for saying their names. That's important to say yeah. their names each one of these well let's begin with this prayer we'll we'll go uh, we'll start with you representative click father we just come to you tonight and in the name of jesus we thank you so much for the great mercy that you've given to us we thank you for the opportunity to serve you around the world and, and just to preach the glorious gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ nothing can be more important than that and i, I thank you for pastor hildebrand and pastor Pulowski, lord and the stand that they've taken Lord, I know they probably never anticipated a moment like that. They never sought fame. They never sought glory. But Lord, we know that their hearts were ready. They were tried and true during a time of persecution, and you gave them the strength that they needed. I thank you for their example, Lord, to me and the inspiration that they've been to me just tonight. I pray that you'll continue to bless them. Lord, be with those court cases that are pending. Lord, I pray that you would just supply the need, and I pray that you would give them liberty, give them freedom for all of these consequences. Lord, we think of the other six pastors who are just named. Lord, I pray for your spirit to wrap them with your loving kindness, with the comfort of the one who brings us comfort. And Lord, I pray that you would see them through these trials and help us pastors here in America to take a, a lesson, to learn from them, to be better, to stand strong. Lord, sometimes I'll be honest, we, we face a little bit of criticism and we think we're being persecuted. And it's nothing like that. Help us to stand strong in the face of opposition, to stand up to the devil, and to stand up for the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for Pastor Garlo, and Lord, the influence he's been on, on me and my uh, fellow representatives, Lord. We need folks like him who are equipping us for the job that we do in the legislature. Lord, be with us now as we wrap up this uh, Zoom, Lord, in prayer. Have your will and your way in our hearts and our minds and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Rep Representative Stoltzus. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this evening, Lord, that uh, that I can be on this call with these uh, pastors, Father, um, both from Ohio and Canada, Father. And Lord, I just thank you for the bravery that uh, these Canadian pastors have shown, Lord, walking out their faith in real life. Lord, we live in a free country here in America, and uh, we we are not challenged. Um, like they are, and uh, they have just shown um, shown how to how to stand up and 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 fight for your truth, Father. And and that's why we're here on this earth, Lord, is to to occupy until you come, Lord. And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to to be a part of this, Father. And uh, I just I pray, Lord, that uh, this catches fire across uh, across Canada, across America, and that uh, the Canadian government lightens up on their persecution of of uh christians and and people of all faith father and lord uh we just thank you father in christ's name amen speaker getter 
Thank you, Father. Again, it's already been said for this wonderful privilege of linking together via this technology. I thank you, O oh God, as we've already said, that I, that I have been able to play a small part in the immense work that is taking place in the spirit realm is being released on the earth. I thank you so much that we've heard it tonight from these courageous pastors emboldened by the power of your spirit that they have said that indeed light is stronger than darkness and truth is stronger than lie. And they have seen it and are witnessing it. And as we join together, as we close together in the mighty name of Jesus, I, I'm reminded of David as he went out against the Philistines the second time you halted him and you said, you wait until you hear the sound of marching overhead. And as you go out, go out with them and the victory will be yours. I pray that this is an immense work that you're doing. And I, I'm just a little tiny part, but as we join together with our brothers in prayer, I pray that you will help us to remain in alignment and in agreement with heaven so that every act and every move that we make here on earth will have tremendous impact, not only in the spirit realm, but will be manifest here on earth. We pray that indeed you will shape governments by your power, that you will yeah. shape churches, and that you will shape pastors, and that pastors will be convicted, and that their souls will be lit on fire, and that they will stand up for you and proclaim the gospel in boldness and without fear. And we will see you, O oh God, do what you want to do in these last days. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.com wellversedworld.org